There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. This is The Grill with you through until 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, welcome. Uh, if you are in the vicinity, if you're down at Dubai Sports City, then do join us uh, live down here at Dubai Sports City. What have got coming up for you over the next three hours? A final at Wimbledon, qualifying at the Silverstone Grand Prix, the British Grand Prix, uh, getting underway uh, tomorrow, obviously, uh, with the qualification taking place today. Uh, all sorts to talk about from the world of cricket, from rugby, from football, transfers and more. And the Tour de France. If you are around and about, we'd love to hear from you. Do come and join us live down here at Kickers Sports Bar. A whole host of uh, activities and promotions to get involved in down here, not just during the Cricket World Cup, but during this summer of sport. This is The Grill. We're live at Kickers. You're listening to The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai i 103.8 app. Welcome to the show. If you are, can't uh, make it down here, if you can't be part of proceedings live down here at the uh, Kicker Sports Bar in the heart of Sports City, then feel free to send us your thoughts now. Text to please to 4001. Equally, you can have your say online at Dubai I 138 FM, at Dubai I Sport. Or, of course, give us a call 04871 Thanks so much indeed for being part of the grill today. Lots to get through. Who are we going to do it with? We're going to do it with Mark Archer. Archie Arch, you uh, and me tomorrow. Afternoon, Tom. Yes. And what about tomorrow? If you're in the UK, if you're a sports fan globally, it's Super Sunday, isn't it? Every sport you could possibly want, the pinnacle is almost taking place in, in the UK tomorrow. Cricket World Cup final at the home of cricket at Lords. Men's final at Wimbledon, an iconic final. That two of the... Yeah. Most storied players in the last couple of decades. Roger Federer, what a story that would be if he wins another Wimbledon title. Formula One, British Grand Prix at Silverstone. And also Open Championship gets underway in Northern Ireland on Thursday. And then next weekend, of course, we've got Rugby Championship. So, wow, what a good time to be a sports fan. And let's hope, one thing we hope about tomorrow is the weather in the UK. Please behave. Please wake up on the good side of bed and the sun is shining because there's so much sport to, to digest. Looking forward to it. Got a lot to talk about throughout the course of the next three hours. CPR is also going to be on board as well. Looking forward to the Rugby Championship next weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. As you say, everybody's getting prepared for the Championship. That kickoff between South Africa and Australia happens in Johannesburg next week. And off air, we were just chatting about all the changes, Rassi's game plan to try and win the Championship. But uh, all I can say is, Roger Federer, you little beauty. I had to cut my romantic dinner short with my wife last night. Was I had to get back for the tennis, and I'll tell you what it was worthwhile. And uh, can, can Roger make it number nine at Wimbledon tomorrow and 21 Grand Slams? I guess time will tell. But absolutely, him and Nadal, they played like two 21-year-olds yesterday. Absolutely fantastic to watch. So, uh, yeah, I'm all behind Roger for tomorrow's epic final. Sports broadcaster and journalist Alex Bruins also joined us live down here at Kickers. Great to see you, AB. Thanks, Tom. Well, well? to be here. I am well, I am well, and I'm just, uh, what Mark was talking about, amazing lineup of sport, it's absolutely incredible, but those conditions need to be just right for the New Zealanders tomorrow, you want the ball swinging early, and then you want it to be nicer when you guys are going to bat. Actually, I better preface what I should say, yeah, Lords, Northwest London there, should, could be grey, overcast, swing-seeming, low-scoring game, probably suit the Black Caps, if it's a high-scoring match at Lords, I really fear for them, but... Uh, England have been a funny old outfit. Both teams, it'll be, it'll be weird because whoever wins the World Cup will have lost three games yeah. in, in the competition, which is almost unprecedented. Not many teams win a world championship or a world title and win three games. But uh, England have either been blowing teams away or losing close matches, and the Black Caps have been either getting blown away or winning close matches. So let's hope it's a close match. 
But I've got to give it to Tom Urquhart. I think, Tom, you called it two weeks ago on the show when I was asking the question. I said, what has happened to England? All the talk about England. They've, they've, they've proved me wrong. But I think Roy has been the, 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 the guy that's kind of changed that team. And I kind of feel the minute he's in the team, to your, to your point, Mark Archer, they just seem to be blowing teams away. He gets that steady opening partnership going. And I think England, if conditions are, 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 are right tomorrow, should we say the weather plays a spot, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. But the big question is, can Kane go for, go for one more round? He has really been inspirational for the Kiwis. So I think it's going to be an epic final tomorrow at Lords. Yeah, looking forward to it. Just looking at the um, weather report. It's not great for tomorrow. Showers forecast. So hopefully, is there a reserve day or not? Yes, there oh, is. There will is be, there? yeah. It was nice to see actually reserve days come out on, on the semifinals. They didn't play it for the 45 regular round-robin matches between the 10 teams, but they did bring them out for the semifinals. And that New Zealand match against India, the semifinal, which was spread over two days, I was thinking about it, it felt like two days of cricket of a 50-over match, which is always bizarre when it's split over two days. It felt to me like the first session and the exciting last session of a test match. Yeah. Every ball just had something to it. And it was, I really like score, low-scoring 50-over matches when the scores are sort of competitive, around 240, 250, 260, where you know both teams, the ebb and flow can work. One partnership gets them back into the game, a wicket then takes it away. And the match against India, both teams were in the dominant driving position for much of that game. Then India came out and, and, and the Black Caps struggled away to their score of 243 or yeah. 244. Then India, you know, three for, three for five, three for six, 20 for four. And then everyone's blaming Dhoni, who got them from 20 for four to 180 or 190. But I think that, that's when one-day cricket really works for me, is those games that have ebb and flow. And it just felt like the pressure, the, cooker, the, the, the boiler cooker pressure of, of a test match absorbed into 50-over match. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. The thing is, uh, the... the the toss, of course, has been incredibly important. And they've talked a lot about if England win the toss and they bat first, no one can beat them because they put a big target up there. But tomorrow is going to be really interesting because the ball's going to move around early, I would imagine. New Zealand have got a fantastic opening attack. So if England do win the toss, do they bat? They go out there, they're three for four. As Australia are in big trouble in their, in, in their semi-final, as India were. So what do they do to England? Or do they send New Zealand in and then have to chase, which they did very well against Australia, England. So, I, listen, I think England are peaking right at the right time. And momentum is so important in a tournament like this. And England have won their last three now on the bounce after going through a really bad run. It's going to be a fast day. It's, it's almost, dare we say it, the sort of toss you want to lose, isn't it? You want, to, you want that sort of Absolutely. responsibility taken away from you. Um, AB, have you been a fan of this? Um, uh, we, we saw it, obviously, with the reserve day in the semi-final picking up where you left off the day before. Listen, I thought it was very tough on India. Congratulations for New Zealand. Well done. They won the, they won the match and well-deserved. But I thought it was very tough on England having to go in on a second morning with the ball seeming around, the ball moving around, and having to go out there and bat. And I think if the conditions were different, I think India still win that match. But all credit to New Zealand. They played the conditions brilliantly, but I just thought it was very tough on India because India have been the best team of the tournament and out in the semi-final stage. It's really strange, though, wasn't it? Because we were looking at that New Zealand target going there's not enough runs not enough runs but what was supposed what, what, what certainly what i did was was underestimate the changing conditions and perfect conditions for that new zealand attack the following morning with a bit of cloud, cloud cover and otherwise so it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a sort of story of two days wasn't it but you had the better of the conditions well you can argue you've better the conditions the conditions ultimately it's the same pitch played on albeit two days differently yeah, but i'm talking about the the, the, the yeah, I look, but New Zealand were, I think they were in deep trouble. And, and, and the, the partnership between uh, Kane Williamson, who for me has still been the, the, he hasn't scored the most runs in the tournament, but he's averaging 94, I think. And for me, he's, he's won games by himself, scored 30% of New Zealand's runs. So he hasn't had the flair of Roy or the centuries of, of, of Rohit Sharma, but he's actually won 
two or three matches for New Zealand, scoring hundreds, chasing scores, which is the most difficult thing to do as, as a batsman and as a captain. He's really led from the front. And he, the partnership between him and Taylor, I was getting frustrated watching it because Taylor's inability to score was putting more and more pressure on Williamson, who ultimately then gave his wicket away to increase the run rate. But they had to assess the wickets, uh, the wicket at the time, and find what was a good score that they could bowl on. It was easy for New Zealand, I think, multiple times in the tournament in that semi-final, to say, okay, let's just keep charging and being ultra aggressive, and maybe getting bowled out for 170. And they're never in the game. What New Zealand done really well this tournament is stayed in the game, taking it to the, whether they're bowling or chasing, stayed in the match, giving themselves a chance to win it, and then when the games have got tight, they've found a way of winning those matches. And that's what championship teams always, you know, end up doing. They they win matches that they shouldn't have won. They they find a way within the results. And let's be fair, much of the New Zealand batting orders bang out a nick. They they do some runs. Martin Guptill, highest scorer in 2015, scored the most runs, including 230 against the West Indies. He's barely made 50 runs in the tournament. He's due a score. And so maybe the big occasion will come out of them. He did chip in with the ball, though. We'll hear the commentary later. Magnificent run out. And the the fielding of New Zealand in that semi-final, I just see Jimmy Neesham's catch at point, and also the run out of Dhoni by, by, um, by Guptill. Fantastic bits of fielding, and it's those little bits of differences that might give them a chance in the final. But I do fear for them, England potentially <laughs> blowing them away. But if the, if the Black Caps can make it a tight match, stay in the game, extend it to the, to the, to the latter stages, they've won close matches, and that, do, that is the skill itself, and believing in yourself that you can win those matches. It's extraordinary though, isn't it? But it's the difference of weak mates. We, this time last week, we were talking about the demise of New Zealand cricket. We were talking about, you know, what had gone wrong, the fact that they were too reliant on two batsmen at the top of the order and uh, there wasn't much else there. Colin de Granholm, I think you described as a, a club cricketer, wasn't it? He'd get a game in the Tom Urquhart 11 <laughs> over here in Dubai. We'd pick him. Yeah. He'd probably have to bat below you, so he'd probably be batting at seven or eight in the order, but yeah. And yet and, they're and on the cusp of, of doing what, what could be a beautiful sporting double for you at World Cups this year. It's a big year, and uh, yeah, who, who would have thought that the Black Caps would be in the final and then the All Blacks have got to go to World Cup in Japan uh, later in the year, but the nice thing about the week, and there's lots of social media, is you know, we're a c- country of 4.3 million people defeating India with 1.3 billion, and, and, and cricket is their national sport. Cricket isn't our national sport, it's our summer pastime. So, you know, rug- rugby's the main game there, but uh, they've done well. They've, they've exceeded expectations, and so you've got to be proud of them for doing that. They're an interesting team, New Zealand. I was covering that series when they were over here playing Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, I covered a lot of that series, and they seem to be like it's a very small group, really, that they're, they're picking from and they're drawing from because they don't have enormous resources. But there's a real determination there, a real spirit, and a real, we'll make the best of what we've got. That's what they've really got. And they've got some good, hard, they're good handy cricketers. I mean, you say Williamson's probably the only world-class player in the team or someone who pick in a World eleven, but they make the best of Trent Bolt. They encourage people like Nisham and, they, and even Sadner, you know, who was huge against India. Unbelievable run against India. And again, he's not the sort of player you'd pick in most international sides, but they just make the best of the resources they have. And to find the ability to come back from where they were, because they were gone, as, as you guys are saying, a week ago they were gone, they were shot, they were out of the tournament. They just snuck through in run rate against Pakistan. And to come back from that and then put this run together you know, to beat India, what a result. And who knows, they might just do it tomorrow. And also, congratulations to New Zealand. They've made the last two World Cup finals. That's a fantastic achievement. Yeah, no, they've been good. And, and, and as you say, look, the, the sum of the parts have got to be the strongest part bit for New Zealand tomorrow. If you go man for man, England against New Zealand, I would only probably pick definitely Kane Williamson to go into the England team. But who does he, who does he go ahead of? Joe Root at three? Owen Morgan at four? Where, where does he slot in? And then probably from a bowling perspective, you know, Bolt, Trent Bolt, the left arm, would probably find a, a way into that, that England team. A game of who? Liam Plunkett, Joffre Archer, Chris, Chris, uh, Mark Wood. 
So, so there's not many New Zealand players would get in the England team, but again, it's a one-off final. It's 50 overs. It's man on man, and the, the, the better team will win on the day. And, and again, both teams have lost those three matches, all to play for. And England, first final since 1992. New Zealand, a lot of those players who experienced the loss in 2015 in Melbourne against Australia would have learned from that. They'll be better from that. They'll, they'll, be, they'll know what the, the final day is like and know what it's going to be going through. For the England players, it's, it's, it's an unknown. And, and I said at the start of the tournament, you remember this, I said the one thing that will defeat England is the pressure and the expectation of playing at home as favourites, something they're not used to doing in any sport. So they're going to have to deal with that. And if they deal with that, they're probably in pretty good shape to win the final. As host, surely we should get the right to play the final at Edgbaston. I mean, surely that's, that, that, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? I was there in 2015 for the Rugby World Cup and the pressure that was on that English team and you just watched, the, watched them implode. But I think this English cricket team had that moment. They had that moment where it was all falling apart from them and they found the ability to come up with a big win when they needed it when they beat India. And it's like so they got through their really bad point and now they're upward trending again. And I think they're, they're playing well. They've got a lot of confidence. And, I mean, it would be a, a big result for New Zealand to win tomorrow, but it's not impossible. You know, a couple of early wickets, it all changes. All the pressure's on. And, and, and England, as we all know, as keen observers of the game and lovers of the game, are due a bit of a fall. You know, they do, they, they, they do it in fits and starts. They're not, they're not reliable in terms of results, and they are due a little bit of a stumble. Question for you, Tom, is would you rather England win the Cricket World Cup or would you rather win the Ashes in, in the five matches? And then I'll go up to you, Alex, for the same question. Can we not have both? No. no? Well, you could, you could have both. But you have to choose one. Cricket win the World, World Cup. Cup. I think Cricket World Cup would be... I mean, it'd be lovely to win the Ashes, obviously. Uh, but the Cricket World Cup, I think, is more important in terms of spreading the game. I think dis disappointing reaction from crowds over in the UK. Uh, there was a bit of criticism with regards to the early morning crowd uh, at Edgbaston for the semi-final and things like that. You and I have both been over there over the last couple of weeks. It's not really caught the imagination of the nation. You know, FIFA Women's World Cup was generating more headlines and more, 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 more sort of momentum. So in terms of the game um, and, 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 and its position in, in the sporting lines of, of, of the UK, I think Cricket World Cup would be more important. And the nice thing is that the Sky, that Sky TV that have the rights on, on, on pay-per-view TV, is, they've given the rights away yeah. to, to terrestrial TV. So 15, 20 million people will get the chance to watch that, get, watch England maybe win a World Cup at home, which would be fantastic for the sport uh, of cricket and fantastic for sport generally. So that's, that's a good gesture by them. And the same thing is actually happening in New Zealand. So the, the Sky, again, the New Zealand equivalent, have the rights, but it's going to be on terrestrial TV live, which is fantastic to grow the game. You know? Now, it's interesting for Australia because they've actually, have they overperformed or have they choked? Because a month ago, six, oh, sorry, two, two, three months ago, you would have said, this Australian team's a disaster, they're not going to go anywhere. And they put together a run of results and they've done really, really well at this World Cup. But, you know, you look at that semi-final, they had an injury and suddenly Peter Hanscombe comes in. You know, that's who they had to call on. And he was just completely all at sea. He got four runs, he should have been out four times in that four runs. So... You know, they, that, we go into the Ashes, though, and I think there's going to be a lot of motivation there for the team. And there's a lot of good players to come in. A yeah. lot of good players and to I'll come in. And I'll tell you in. what, I think the World Cup's uncovered a couple of gems for Australia. Um, Carey, the wicketkeeper. Brilliant. For me, although, albeit Tim Payne done, has done a great job as wicketkeeper and captain of Australia. Alex Carey, um, by far the outstanding wicketkeeper in the World Cup and, and batsman. And he should, for me... But you've got to find a way of getting into that team. Yeah, dilemma, isn't it? He's, he's, he's a good cricketer. He, he's a better cricketer than Tim Payne, dare I say it. Um, Tim Payne's done a great job in the, in the 12 months preceding the, 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 ball, the ball tampering incident, but Carey's been great. And Berendorf, the left armour, 
he's a find as well. He, he's a guy that could translate well to test cricket, even though you've got the likes of, of, of different players coming back into the side. But I, th I think I'm really looking forward to the Ashes. Let's get the World Cup out of the way tomorrow. But the Ashes is going to be really between two really well-balanced teams. And then you've got the likes of Jason Roy may get to start for in, in Red Bull cricket as well, potentially. So it's going to be we, fascinating. We've got three Australian cricketers who haven't had anything to do with this World Cup who are going to make a big difference. Travis Head, yeah. you've got to remember, he's coming, going to come in at six, and he's the player. He's the vice-captain for the team, scoring very, very well runs. We've got a lot of runs. Then you've got James Patterson. Now, James Patterson is a great swing bowler. He's been out for a long, long time injured, but he's come back in. He's playing really well with Australia A at the moment, and he's going to have a big, big effect. And then also, of course, Josh Hazelwood. He hasn't played at all at this World Cup because he was injured just beforehand. So you've got those three players coming in, and then you've got some other players who are doing really, really well. Uh, Manus Labuschagne has been playing. Labuschagne, sorry, he likes to be called Labuschagne. Uh, he's been doing, he's been playing for Glamorgan and scoring lots of runs in county cricket, so he's been getting ready as well too. So we've got some good players to come back in, and there's going to be a lot of fire, a lot of brimstone. It's going to be a great series, that yeah. series. It's going to be a tremendous series. Well, as long as we find out a way to get some under out, Steve Smith, uh, England still have that problem, don't they? They, they can't find a way to get him out because he's just... I mean, I, I, I thought his innings in the semi-final was just fascinating as well. He's such an orthodox player. It must be an absolute nightmare to it's, bowl to. It's all eye. His technique is terrible. It's absolutely yeah. terrible, but his eye is just unbelievable. The way he can play across the line like that, it's extraordinary. But I have to mention quickly, wouldn't the South Africans have loved it that they, once again, they brought Australia down, they <laughs> killed Australia again. I bet they loved it. They did. They played one game in the Cool World Cup. They, sh know? they showed up in the final week yeah. of the round. Yeah, Robin. pretty, pretty. They waited eight games to do that. But, uh, yeah, the least said about South Africa, I think the better of this World Cup. But it's interesting because we've talked about it in the past here on the show and things like that. And I think that my comments about the importance of the Cricket World Cup for cricket over in the UK is, is, is partly influenced by the conversations that I've had with Carl and other South Africans that the, the game of cricket in South Africa at the moment is in dire straits. There's not enough kids coming into the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Pat Simcox has been very vocal in, in, in the media, firstly criticising the administration due to this and just saying, you know, the, the feeder systems that used to be there is, is just not developing these, these players quick enough in the way they should. I mean, schoolboy cricket is still very, very strong. But even our under-19 team got an absolute 7-0 hammering from Pakistan that had been touring in, in the Republic. So I think a lot has to be done there, Tom. A lot of questions have to be asked of the administration and how are we going to develop these players. And often what I'm finding is one or two guys that really do come through they end up playing for England or they end up playing for New Zealand or they end up playing for Australia which is something we need to avoid now so I think that South Africa Cricket Administration really has to have a serious look at themselves who once again have to get these academies going and functioning the way they should that these players you know can, can, can come through and we can start producing more players like the likes of AB de Villiers etc 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 so I think South African Cricket have got to take a serious serious look at themselves because at the moment I just feel they're not competitive enough. Uh, do send your thoughts to, to us, if you could, please. Text us on 4001. A couple of the other teams that obviously have made their, uh, made, well, made a mark on the tournament this year. Uh, breakthrough, breakthrough year for Afghanistan cricket? Absolutely. Afghanistan played some great cricket. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, you guys would know what this kind of interest was in the World Cup over there because we've been kind of following it over here. But Afghanistan performed quite well. Um, Sri Lanka also, they had their days. What a day, you know. They, you know, they beat England, which is a great result for them. It's, they can go and party on that for the next m month or next four years, sorry. But, uh, and also Bangladesh did quite well too. But it's the thing about cricket is how strong is the game globally. You've got a 10-team World Cup. 
You couldn't really probably put someone else in there, maybe the islands, maybe the Netherlands. But it, it, is the game overall strong? And it's really worrying when you hear it's not going particularly well in South Africa. What, what are they playing instead of cricket? Are they, uh, it's great to see the South African football team doing well in the African yeah. National uh, Cup. That's fantastic. Um, but uh, I don't know, where, where are people going? I, I, think that's been the, I think that's been the one plus of the, <laughs> of the South Africa sporting fan, should I say, is beating Egypt. That was unbelievable. And we were very competitive against Nigeria. But I think at the end of the day, the, the big thing with South Africa at the moment is keeping those talented youngsters, firstly, inside of the country. And then secondly, as you say, keeping them with cricket. You know, there's so many different attractions for these guys. Now, football is, is, is a big, big growing sport. And I think a lot of potential players, especially with, with the weaker round, are now looking to play county cricket or they, or they go over to Australia. Australia and New Zealand and I think that's where especially from a coaching perspective as well as from a player's perspective you find a lot of our players connected with either county cricket or the Big Bash series the IPL and, and, and so forth you know these guys are kind of looking for a, a payday if you want to call it as such and uh, if you're a young talented guy you know you, you, you can't blame somebody who's got a limited career what's it, about a 15 year career that, you, that you've got to make it so I think we're losing a lot of players especially to the, to the weaker round we're losing a lot of players to county cricket and to, to these other international competitions. And of course, we as we sit here, we're right next to the ICC. Of course, yeah. their uh, their offices are just next here. I wonder how they are feeling about this World Cup. Has it been a good thing for cricket? Has it been, you know, has it has it boosted the game that what they would have liked? I mean, what, what do you think uh, about the reach of the game? Has it helped the global reach of of cricket? I mean, one thing that is certainly proven to me is that if you want to, if you want to put bums on seats, India Pakistan are going to do it every single time. I've been struck by the fact that you know every game you watch. You see Indian and Pakistani fans, regardless of the game, you know, and then obviously sellouts, massive sellouts for the actual uh, games that they're playing in themselves. Not so with others as well. And there's been a little bit of, you know, there's, there's been a bit of criticism about empty seats in certain, uh, certain other uh, um, uh, grounds and uh, for other games as well. And again, it sort of it, it becomes that issue, doesn't it, where the power of Indian cricket specifically. Is, is, is what's sort of governing the game at the moment. You know, the one team that came into the tournament with a 15-day break after the IPL because they demanded that break and then probably worked against them to a certain degree because yeah, they had that, that concertina effect towards the end of it and they had to play three games in three days. Mm. Or, sorry, five days. And I think one of the other things, the ICC must be damning those, those blokes in, in the South Pacific from New Zealand who, who upset India. Because I think that the, the, the dream final for the, for, the, for the neutral, for the ICC, for the world of cricket, is probably India taking on England in England in the English World Cup. It's probably the, the dream final, but uh, unfortunately it's not going to happen. But yeah, look, so in, in, India were good. India were good in Pakistan. Just, you know, so inconsistent. A bit like, a bit like you know, even the West Indies. But, but, but Pakistan were unlucky not to make the, the semi-finals in the end. And what a semi-final that could have been. Pakistan-India semi-final again, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think cricket's still in reasonable health. But for me, I've said, I've said it a few times now, Cricket World Cup should be a 12-team World Cup. I think, I think you can't keep it to 10. And then the format, the structure changes in terms of how they do two pools of six or how they do a round robin of, uh, that, that works in terms of the numbers. But I'd like to... Ireland, I don't, you know, they're a test-playing nation now and they, they failed to qualify for the World Cup, which I think is a shame. I think they should some find a way of getting 12 teams in there. I know, I know T20 cricket is the format that the ICC want to grow the game globally and the next T20 World Cup, 16 or 18 teams. But I think Ireland, if they're going to be given a platform of test cricket... They're going to have to keep growing the game and having to keep having role models. They need to be on the world global stage like the World Cup to keep keep the participation numbers up, keep the interest there. Because a lot of the Irish public aren't going to sort of gravitate quickly towards test cricket. 
So 50 over cricket is really important for Ireland, and it's a shame that they can't find a way to get them included in it. And they're not thinking with a lot of innovation in this World Cup either. I mean, if it had been another country like Australia or somewhere else, they would have maybe had Wembley for a game. And they would have used a drop-in pitch, put it there, had 80,000 people there to watch it, and had that big atmosphere. So they haven't done that. There's so many amazing grounds that they could have, with a little bit of change, they could have, they could have actually had some matches there. And then a really Imagine India and Pakistan with 80,000 people at Wembley. Now, that's the sort of thing that attracts the attention of the world, and they just didn't do that. You know, there wasn't that imagination. I, I fully agree with you, and I think you, know, you just rightly mentioned that India and Pakistan are your driving tool behind, call it this, organization or, or whatever the case, and they've they got to see how they can kind of use these teams. I think the, the Major League Baseball have done it fantastically. They brought two of the biggest, well-known Best supported worldwide franchises to London, packed out Wembley Stadium, Yankees take on, 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 the, on the Boston Red Sox. And from a cricketing perspective, if they're looking to grow the game, this is maybe something that they should say. These two iconic teams that are followed religiously all over the world, let's see where we can move them and stage these games to, to, to grow the game. You listen to the grill. We're broadcasting live from Kickers down here in Dubai's Sports City. If you're around and about, do come and join the conversation. If you can't make it down here, then please do send us your thoughts now. Text on 4001. This is The Grill, live from Kicker's Sports Bar, where the game is always on. So second week of the Tour de France is getting underway. Stage 8 for you a little later on, 200k from Macon to Saint-Étienne, uh, 200k's that we'll be uh, monitoring right here on The Grill. We're live here in Dubai Sports City, live down here at Kicker's. And we've also got the uh, British Grand Prix qualifying for that one will be taking place whilst we are on air. Uh, and we will look ahead, of course, to the women's uh, final. At how was Wimbledon? How was it? Absolutely fantastic. Tom uh, managed to go on day two, so watch Angelique Kerber, Roger Federer up against this new young South African, Lloyd Harris. I must say, from a South African perspective, very good to see this youngster. I think uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him. And then, of course, watch Serena. And I must say, Serena at the moment has been in fine, fine form, moving a lot better than what I've seen her before. So uh, I think. She's going to be tough to beat this afternoon. She just kind of seems to have got that, that confidence back. And then, as I say, what more do you say about Roger Federer? Cool and calm in the first round, cool and calm in the semifinals. And he just, you know, keeps, keeps going on, keeps producing. And it's just amazing to see the support that that guy's got around the world. I'm yet to see somebody that has got something bad to say about him. And that's, that's not a Federer fan. You know, you look at the crowd when you're sitting there at centre court. Everybody's wearing their RF logos or some type of Swiss T-shirt. And just a fantastic atmosphere at, at Wimbledon. Fantastic run tournament. And... Uh, yeah, anybody that hasn't been, I'd highly recommend it. Absolutely fantastic two days. He was and, good last night as well, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, Roger, 37 years old. The thing that worries me a bit about tennis, and we've spoken about a lot on this show, is who is going to carry that mantle? You know, who's going to be the next generation coming through? And I just failed to see this. You know, the, the big three are staying, the big three. We've got Federer now that's turning 38 this year. We've got, uh, we got Nadal that I think is turning 34. So, yeah, interesting times. But, you know, long, long may he continue. He's good for the game. Supporters love him. And uh, I wish him all the best tomorrow. Cricket World Cup uh, final tomorrow at Lords. Just another quick byline on the world of cricket. I think uh, one, tournament, one man who's at an amazing tournament has, of course, been... Uh, Afghan, uh, uh, Afghanistan's Rashid Khan. He was named earlier on today as the captain across all three formats uh, for Afghanistan moving forward. 20 years old. It's quite a responsibility. And he plays in the IPL as well. But uh, yeah, he's, he's done amazingly well. But all eyes tomorrow, all roads for the last six weeks have led towards the home of cricket at Lords. Tomorrow, massive match. England, the hosts, the favourites, the hot favourites going against the, the underdogs from uh, New Zealand, the Black Caps. Will there be more action like this, Tom? Let's hope so. Now they've got to push for two. Who's going to cover the keeper's stats? They're going to go. Got to get them. Down. 
the World Cup. It's Martin Guptill. And MS Stoney, is it the last time he leaves the big stage? He's gone, run out. Paris running the second. Well, there's Martin Guptill running out MS Dhoni. Will it be the last time we see MS Dhoni play a one-day international for India? Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But one man that knows the home of cricket, one man that knows Lords very well, one man that has a, a grandfather's stand named after his, his grandfather is our good friend of the show, Nick Compton, former England and Middlesex batsman. Nick, how are you doing there, brother? Oh, great to hear from you, boys. Loving the energy. And just tell us, how, is London warming up for this Cricket World Cup final tomorrow? Is, has World Cup fever hit the UK and uh, is everyone really firmly getting in behind England? Yeah, I think it has, without doubt. I mean, when was the last time England were in a final for any World Cup? <laughs> Their football team and the woes of a number of disappointments for that. So I think the fact that England have made a cricket final, um, albeit a cricket final, of course, of this World Cup has been huge. I think it's definitely warming up. I mean, it's hot in London. I'm in London at the moment. I'm about a mile away from Lords, and there's a lot of fans walking around with cricket shirts. So, opportunity for bringing us on, on cricketing nation. Ashes did for the country um, the impact it had. And the fact that now I have partners and up one of their um, more well-watched channels on Sky, I think, is fantastic. It means that it, to the final, people can get uh, this team. And uh, let's just hope it's a stadium because of World Cups. You know, the tickets are bought, bought in advance, and uh, the fans that potentially were Indian fans hoping to see their their country in the final and haven't got there. We just hope that they do put them up for resale because I think the important thing is is that it is a packed house. There's lots of noise that it really is an amazing spectacle. And Compo, main men for you tomorrow. Everyone's been talking about this return um, at the top of the order. Jason Roy in the last few matches has seemed to have given England an extra boost, the extra firepower at the top of the innings. Is he a key man tomorrow for, for England? Yeah, without doubt. Him and Bairstow for me. Johnny Bairstow performs under pressure. He's the type of guy that wants to go has that extra grit, that, uh, that ability to prove, not proving people wrong so much, but to really make a point. I think if you if, if there is a time to do that, now is the time. A World Cup final at Lords, these are, these are things that are, dreams are made of. Players will be pinching themselves to be here. And I think the important is that you just hope the occasion doesn't get the, the better of either of the teams. You know, you do want to enjoy it. You want to look around. You do want to smell the roses and enjoy walking through that iconic long room where it's packed and people just are up on their feet and you can feel the hairs in the back of your neck tingle. But I think there's one more game to play for both teams and they need to be at their absolute best. There's no doubt that Bolt v Roy and Bearstow is um, a huge, huge game for for them and a, and a huge moment. You know, Bolt can take some early wickets, get the likes of Owen Morgan early have a chance, but I do think the England team is too strong for New Zealand. Um, one of my big worries is the pitch. Um, Lords for some time now hasn't been the, the pitch that you know I used to really enjoy batting on. It's um, it, it, I thought pictures of it today. It's got a slightly green tinge, and I always find Lords do that to almost combat the dryness underneath. So while it looks green, and you think, oh wow, you know, fast bowlers are going to lick their lips. I do feel that. It's Play like that. Um, it has been too paced, um, and the wicket hasn't been a great one for batting. So you would expect the team that wins the bat first and have uh, potentially have the upper hand.
Kampa, that's, exa Kampa, that's exactly what, what I wanted to ask you. If you were the England captain tomorrow, you won the toss, what would you choose to do and why? Well, I, I definitely have a bat. I think, one, you have to look at the, the way that these, these matches have gone. I mean, the fact that uh, New Zealand got, let's say, a below-par score against India and still managed to uh, defend it, you know, says something about, obviously, the pressures of a World Cup, but also the wickets. They haven't got better. Um, they certainly haven't improved through the game. And uh, I think it'd be a brave man to choose to bat second, given the, the pattern of this World Cup. I, I still think that if there is a team that can chase uh, successfully, I think out of all the teams, it is England. Because, one, they've been a fantastic chasing team over the last few years. I think that all their batsmen are in good form, which makes a big difference. But even given that and the the, 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 the nature of a, of a World Cup final, the pressure, etc., get runs on the board, get 250-plus, and I think with England's bowling attack now, the fact that Archer's in fine form would be brilliant. And of course, Liam Plunkett gives England experience. I expect them to do the job. Uh, Nick, it's Alex Brune here. I just uh, want to ask you about the mentality, the psychology in that English team at the moment. They went through a really, really bad run in this tournament and the whole of England were on their back. It looked like they were going to bow out even before the semi-finals. They seem to have righted the ship now and be heading in the right direction. But what do you think the psychology is at the moment dealing with the enormous pressure that they're under? How are they going to go out and be able to perform tomorrow? It's funny, actually. I actually feel really at ease. I don't know why. Perhaps it was because of the bullet they had in the middle of the tournament. I mean, look, let's be honest, guys. These World Cup tournaments are tough because they're long. There's a lot of games, a lot of group matches. You saw someone like India who had all the form throughout the group stages and suddenly things just started to deteriorate slightly towards the end in terms of injuries, in terms of form, and also, you know, putting too much onus on key players. I think uh, England had that problem at the middle of the tournament and somehow through, you know, some resilience, through players putting their hand up, managed to win their last two group games and, and get into this position. And I think when you look at that England team now, I think there's just confidence. I, I actually think they're quite relaxed. I, I think there's a, a form and a confidence that they've had for the last three years. This isn't something that's just come by hope. I think in the past, when England teams have played World Cup matches, there's almost been, or come into World Cups, there's been a hope. Can we hope that someone will play a magical innings? Can we hope that things will just magically click on the day? This is more than that. This is something that's been practiced, it's been prepared for ages. And I think uh, England deserve to be here. So I don't, I, I don't feel... The enormity of the occasion, no doubt there will be players feeling incredibly nervous. And, and that goes for both sides. Um, you know, I think New Zealand, you know, are always been a very consistent team in World Cups. I think the fact that they've got through just shows how the, the, the fact that they can get the most out of their players. Um, but, I, you know, I wouldn't count them out. I really wouldn't count them out. There's some resilient cricketers there. And if anyone can find a way to defend a title or, you know, get themselves to a sort of manageable score, it's New Zealand. Compo, just want to get your thoughts uh, ahead of what will be um, a sort of watershed moment in many ways for England cricket tomorrow about the, the efforts of two former Middlesex men in getting England to where they are at the moment as opposed to where they were at the last World Cup and the disaster they had there. Uh, two former mates, uh, teammates of yours, uh, Owen Morgan and Andrew Strauss, what influence have they had on the team, the ethic, the culture of cricket in the UK in the last four years? Yeah, very good question. They've had a huge influence. There's no doubt that one-day cricket in England for a number of years has been almost treated as a, a sort of amateur sport. Uh, you know, it's, it was never taken very seriously. Test cricket, as you know, in England is, uh, has traditionally been the, 
the form of the game, the pure form of the game that 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 the old guard have, have kind of supported, Lords, etc. But Andrew Strauss decided that times are changing, which they are. Um, in many ways, uh, I think Kevin Peterson was a, a major uh, influencer when it when it came to this this change of format. The fact that he was playing in the IPL, earning a lot of money and stuff, and and, and of course he was over there and he saw the impact that this IPL and and the way that the game was moving was having on younger generations. And it was time to actually allow players in England to get that experience. And I think as soon as those gates have opened, as soon as Strauss and Morgan came together and, and, and sort of said to themselves, right, enough is enough. We need to jump on this bandwagon. We need to t- change the, the format of contracts in England, um, You know, put more of a precedent on one-day cricket, on players being able to play in these franchise tournaments like the Indian players were and, and New Zealand players were and Australian players were. And I think since that's happened, Owen Morgan, along with his uh, the support, actually, ironically, you have to say ironically, with uh, New Zealand's former New Zealand captain, Brennan McCullum. They've, they've always said they're great mates. Um, and there's no doubt that Brennan McCullum had a very similar impact on New Zealand's uh, sort of turnaround over the last four or five years. And I know Owen Morgan has looked at him very much as a mentor and as a way to, to play cricket. And I, and I know that uh, Brendan's kind of been that, that figure for him throughout some of the good and bad times, because no doubt making change, particularly in a country like England that, that holds its test cricket and has quite a lot of traditions, hasn't been easy. But uh, Owen Morgan has been the guiding light on that, um, along with Trevor Bayliss, who very much, as a coach, allows you as a captain to, to do your own thing. He's not someone who, who likes to get too involved. You know, he'll, he'll be there. Um, but he very much allows the captain to dictate things. And, uh, you know, I think when you get that support and that backing to make a change and to run with something, you know, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, an impact's going to happen. And, and, you know, I think that's been the problem in the past is it's sort of been one foot in, one foot out, whereas they've really gone full steam ahead. And now you see the, the benefits of that. You know, some of these players like Roy, Bairstow, I mean, you know, the talent that's coming out of these players is just exciting to watch. So, Compo, just to sum up tomorrow's final, England are obviously going to be hot favourites going into it. New Zealand, you would tend to think that much will hinge upon the, the captaincy and the form with the bat of Kane Williamson. 548 runs he scored at an average of 91 in the tournament, but he's been the key man. You've played against many of the New Zealand cricketers, um, of course, during your test career. Surely Martin Guptill's got to come right and score some runs to give some support to Kane Williamson. But what about Williamson's impressed you so much in this World Cup? Yeah, I think Kane Williamson's been fantastic as he, you know, top three batters in the world in all forms of the game. A real technician, plays the ball incredibly late. You know, as a batsman myself, it's, it's, it's great to watch someone, a, a real master of his craft and um, the way he compiles innings. I think Kane Williamson's the type of guy that when batting first keeps you in the game, and I think when batting second definitely keeps you in the game in terms of that run chase. But I don't think he can win the game on his own. I think um, he's very important and plays you know, a vital role in holding the New Zealand batting together. Someone like Martin Gopsell, I don't have any confidence in him scoring runs. I don't think that when the ball does something um, and moves around, I don't think technically he's very accomplished, which is probably shown in the fact that he hasn't made it as a test cricketer. We all know that when the wicket's flat, um, he's one of the most dangerous batsmen in the world. But we've seen in this World Cup that the ball has moved, potentially bounced and gripped a little bit, and he hasn't been in great form. But as you say, um, every dog has his day, and uh, Martin Guptill is somebody that can turn up and really hurt England. So um, I, I do think England will get one over him. I think the likes of Wokes and Archer will be too much for him. But 
you know, he's the type of guy that's got nothing to lose. You know, his fielding, his catching, and what he offers to that New Zealand team in the field is exceptional. Um, hopefully, he can take, you know, that run out of Doni that got potentially got New Zealand into the final. He can take a bit of confidence to that, go out in the final and go, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. I've had a poor tournament. But my word, if I can get a 50 quickly here and give us a bit of a launch pad, then you've got the likes of, I think, the best one-day player, the most dangerous one-day player in Ross Taylor. I think he's the key for you guys because I think that he can go through different gears. Um, he can really hurt England. His ability to swat balls to the leg side, particularly against England spinners, um, will be very important. So New Zealand, look, I think if they're going to win this final, I think they need to add a bit more than what they did against India. They were lucky to get... India really on the ropes, but I think you're not going to find that with the England team. They need to get a good score. Other players need to really contribute. And of course, Bolt has been your, your key at the top of the order. He has to take them early wickets. Compo, last one from me. Um, you got any spare tickets? <laughs> Mate, I can't even get into the game now. Even the Compton stand isn't good enough. So um, <laughs> it looks like uh, I'm actually doing a bit of stuff to talk for um, in Trafalgar Square. There's a big screen. I've got a few friends coming down. And who knows, I might uh, send you guys a picture of me spraying a, a few beers around if we, if we manage to, to get over the line. Well, Nick, we thank you for your time. Final prediction from you. The winner and the, uh, the margin of, of win is, is going to go where tomorrow? I think England will win and win fairly comfortably. Um, it's not to say I underestimate New Zealand at all. It may be a very close game. I just think that England are peaking at the right t time. I think they are too strong. And I do think, think that things will go to relative plan for England. I think they'll win quite comfortably. But I think in terms of a spectacle, I hope it's a cracker of a game. I hope that New Zealand really do turn up and play a great game of cricket because uh, it'd be nice if this World Cup final really ended with a, with a close one with both teams playing their best cricket. Well, Nick, you enjoy the final at Trafalgar Square tomorrow. If you do see Tom Urquhart roaming the streets of northwest London with a picket <laughs> sign saying tickets bought or sold, please uh, help him out if you can. But he might be joining you in Trafalgar Square. But uh, all the best for tomorrow. Hope you guys, hope the weather behaves and hope you have a great day at Trafalgar Square. Cheers, Compo. Cheers, boys. Have a good one, eh? Bye. This is The Grill, live from Kickers Sports Bar, where the game is always on. Big thanks to Nick Compton for joining us live on the line just a few moments ago. Uh, a big thank you to here. We've got a final to look forward to in Wimbledon. Serena Williams taking on Simona Halep. We'll have more on that in just a little while. We've got uh, Ferrari, who are fastest in the British GP final practice. We'll have qualifying for that one a little later on. And we've got Perth Glory taking on Manchester United at the moment. Man U back in action. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, Tom. Uh, anyway, Paul Pogba has apparently made the trip, so uh, let's see how Ole gets his season off to a good start. Let's hope so. Can you use the word action with Manchester United these days? A bit of an oxymoron, <laughs> isn't it? Good old, good old money, though. So, so 43 minutes in and, and, and yet to trouble the goalkeeper. So uh, good to see that things haven't really changed over the, uh, the, uh, the summer break, that's for sure. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, we're also looking ahead to the Rugby Championship, uh, for which starts next weekend, is that right? Yeah, starts the 20th of July. Just to bring you up to date with a couple of rugby scores, um, Fiji. Uh, yesterday beat uh, New Zealand Maori. This is quite a big result for Egypt, 20, 27 points to 10, Tom. And then, of course, the Curry Cup is in full swing back in South Africa. Last night, it was the Greekers that took on the Sharks. And I must say, a very, very disappointing result uh, for the Sharks. A big surprise by Tafel Lager Greekers. Then beating the Sharks 37 points to 13. Later on this afternoon, it is the Lions that take on the Pumas. That game will be live from Emirates Airline Park in Johannesburg. And the 7 o'clock kickoff is 
series. Um, Western Province take on the Blue Bulls, which will be live from Newlands in Cape Town. Uh, World Cup year for the for the, the beautiful game that is rugby. Important, therefore, for teams going into that rugby championship to build ahead of the World Cup? Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll see the rugby championship now, especially Rassi Rasmus has chosen quite a big squad. I think there's a couple of experiments that, that they'll look at doing. He's basically sent half the squad now this morning. I was reading that he's going to send two New Zealand to start preparing there, get them acclimatized and so forth, and then keep a certain amount of guys back for, um, for, for the test match which will be in Johannesburg next Friday against Australia. So it'll be interesting to see how the guys go. Big thing for South Africa at the moment is there. Captain Sia Kulisi is still injured. He will not be available for that first test match. And I think the big thing is trying out the combinations. He's now brought France Stain in from Montpellier. We know Stain's been having quite the season with, uh, with the French top 14 side. Um, Fuff de Klag back in the mix, of course, from Sales Sharks. So he's getting time for these overseas players to get themselves well established. He'll be looking at combinations. I think he's got a good idea of who he wants to choose Tom, but I think this rugby championship will be very, very much a trial basis, if we can put it as such, until he finalises his, his side. And we were just speaking off air, I think a big test against Australia. Australia not looking good at the moment, but you know, Australia is always one of those nemesis sides, and uh, on the day they can cause all types of problems for South Africa. So it'll be interesting to see how the, how the championship kicks off. Well, I think yeah, the Wallabies have got enormous problems, really. The problem is that Michael Checker doesn't know what his team is. And as we were just talking about too, Australia's first game in the World Cup is against Fiji. And Fiji now have beaten, in their last test match, they beat France in France. And then yesterday, they beat the Maori. And they haven't beaten the Maori for 57 years. And they beat them 27-10, quite comfortably. And okay, it wasn't an absolute full-strength Maori side, but you've got players like Rob Thompson there, who was fantastic for the Highlanders in Super Rugby. Sean Stevenson was there, played very well for the Chiefs. You also had uh, Akira Yuani was there playing as well. So it's not a bad lineup. Atira Black was there, and they and the Maori and the Fiji been quite comfortably. And Semi Radradra wasn't even playing for Fiji, who, of course, has been his, almost their best player. So... That's going to be a huge, huge game. And Australia are going to come into the World Cup not knowing who their team is, who their best team is. They're going to have to run out there against Fiji. And if they lose that game, they will then have to beat Wales to even stay in the tournament. You've stated something very interesting, reading about Michael Checker, especially in the week. A name that's actually forgotten to Australian rugby. You know, when you read about this guy, I can't believe he's only 29 years old. James O'Connor, we know what a sensation he was as a 20, 21-year-old. Played on the wing, played at fullback. They even tried him at, at, at fly-off at times. He's now being brought back into the squad uh, in, in South Africa. He's flown out to South Africa. Where do you think Checker's thinking of using him? I'm not sure. And again, the whole problem with James is James actually can't play yet because he hasn't signed a deal with the Super Rugby team. So the Apparently going to the Reds, though. Uh, apparently, yes. So, I mean, James is back. Listen, I've always had time for James O'Connor. There's been, he's had a lot of flack over the years. He's made some mistakes. But so has Kirtley Beale, and Kirtley Beale's still in the Wallaby lineup. So I'm okay with James. He's been overseas. He, of course, he got in problems in France, too. Yeah. Uh, got, got in the mix with Ali Williams there, who yeah. led him astray. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, he got into trouble there. But supposedly he's matured a bit at sale over the last couple of years he's had a good run there and he's come back to Australia now and he desperately wants to play in the World Cup you know he was we go back to the Lions series of course which Australia lost uh, when uh, Robbie Deans was the coach James O'Connell was his fly half he was playing there as a fly half when he was what, 21 years old or, you know, and, he, and he had a great series then so he's a tremendous uh, talented player and the Wallabies really need him because you look out wide You've got Dane Hallett-Petty, who's probably going to play fullback, or KB plays fullback, and then they need a really exciting player like that, and also fly half. You know, Bernard Foley hasn't been in the best form. Matt Tamu is still trying to slot back in there. So James O'Connor gives them a lot, especially going to World Cup, because he can play so many positions. 
Alex, uh, interesting times in Australian rugby. Lots of incidents happening off the field, and it'll be interesting to see how Michael Checker can galvanise the team on the field. We've, we've had changes and, and, and drama with South African rugby for a long time, but two teams going into the World Cup who play in the second match of the rugby championship next, next uh, week with the All Blacks going to Argentina. Two quite settled teams. Um, Argentina, I, I keep saying it, watch out for Argentina. They're basically going to be, they've been together almost in camps for all the Super Rugby campaign, add, add six players into their play in Europe. They are going to be a force to be reckoned with in their pool. They've, of course, pulled with England and France as sort of the three seats, top-seeded teams there. They're going to be very competitive in the Rugby Championship and in the World Cup. And the All Blacks always seem to have strength and depth. They're travelling to Buenos Aires next week, and, and eight Crusaders who played in the Super Rugby final last weekend aren't travelling. Of course, Captain Karen Reid's not there, Sam Whitelock's not there, but a couple of the younger Crusaders players, Sevi Reese and Brendan Enor, will take the trip with George Bridge as well. Where do you see the Argentinian, the Pumas, and the All Blacks going into the Rugby World Championship? Listen, I think the Pumas had a fantastic Super Rugby tournament, and they're very, very pleased at that. But talking to a number of the players recently, they feel that they've got unfinished business at the World Cup because you've got to go back four years. They had a fantastic result against Ireland in the quarterfinals and then they didn't carry that into the semi-final against Australia, which was desperately disappointing for them. So they really, really want to go on and do that. We were talking to Sanchez coming back at, at fly half makes a big difference to them, but they got a big, solid pack of forwards and Pablo Matero was one of the players of Super Rugby. Unbelievably damaging. He was brilliant in that Super Rugby final and remember, he won the man of the match. They were beaten 19-3, and they gave the man of the match to Pablo Matera, a player on the losing side. So I think Argentina got lots of strengths. The really interesting thing about them, and the real problem going into this World Cup, is their scrum is not strong. It's a real issue. It's, 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 it's quite amazing, actually. The Budger, of course, you know, was always the, the, the eight-man Argentinian shove, was always the great thing about Argentine rugby. And Mario Ledesma, of course, was a famous uh, exponent of that, and he's now the coach of the team. But their scrum isn't strong. Their line-out is a bit iffy, but they're very, very strong in open play. When the ball gets loose, they're very good, good at the breakdown. So I don't know, listen, I agree. I mean, I would tip probably Argentina to beat France and get past France, but what's going to happen when they get in that quarterfinal? Regarding to the All Blacks, uh, you just cannot... They just always seem to be at their best. It doesn't matter who's out. And you look at the team that's coming into that World Cup, the players that are coming back, it's going to take a very, very, very good side to beat the All Blacks. Got to go to the, the top of the hour. Going to take a break at 4 o'clock. Not, though, before I've run out a couple of messages. This one for CVR. Uh, CVR, firstly, XRSA players are busy coaching and international teams to victory. Uh, that is why young ones go abroad. Secondly, all admin in all codes in South Africa should be retired. In my opinion, old, stale and ineffective. Far behind the times. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's, he's hampered on, on something very, very valuable there. I think it's Neil McKenzie that he's currently helping out with, with Bangladeshi cricket. Gary Kirsten, the last time India won the World Cup, he was the coach there. And uh, yeah, I think that the listener's making a, a very, very valid point. I think it's, it's time to overall get a bit of fresh blood in, get a couple of new ideas in, because the current system is not working, Tom. Uh, we'll take a short break when we come back. More sport live here from Kickers in the heart of Dubai Sports City. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.